Welcome to the Shift Spotlight Podcast. I'm Winter, your host and co-founder of The Shift Spot. We are business transformational experts that help business owners and CEOs shift from working in the business to working on the business. My partner, Ken Paskins, and I specialize in helping visionaries achieve breakout results and scale with ease. We say here at the Shift Spot, shift happens, and we believe our knowledge, skill set, and support will help you design your business to give you the freedom and balance you deserve. Also, the Shift Spotlight is always looking for podcast guests, so go to theshiftspot.com and click on podcast. We'd love to have you. Hey, it's Winter with the Shift Spotlight Podcast, and today we're here with Richard Gearhart. Um, love your name, Richard. That's my dad's name. Um, great. <laughs> Richard or Gearhart? Well, Richard. <laughs> Gearhart is definitely unique in itself, and he can be found at gearhartlaw.com. So welcome to the show. Great to be here, Winter. So happy to be on the Shift Spot. So. Awesome. All right. So before we get going, um, why don't you tell us a fun fact about yourself that maybe a lot of people don't know about you? I I love cars. I've loved cars ever since I was a kid. I'm a car nut. Um, And you you get me in a in a a lot full of antique uh, sports cars and I just go crazy. So uh, that's really something that not a lot of people know. But it's uh, definitely a, an important part of me. So, gotcha. Well, there we go with the similarities with my dad again. He uh, he sold cars <laughs> for a living, so I grew up on a car lot, and uh, literally, oh. literally on the weekends, you know, when we were with them, I would sit on the floor and just listen to him sell cars all day. So, <laughs> so when we were kids, we'd go visit him and we'd go to the car lot, and he'd be like, "All right, pick out the car you want," you know. So it was always fun because I got to drive wow. a lot of cars growing up. Yeah. So you know how to close, right? Oh, yeah. Yep, I do. And and it it was not something that I had to hone or learn or anything. It was it was very much ingrained in me from a little, little girl. So (laughs) I have four brothers, too, and they all sell cars. So we are a car family. So I feel you there. All right. All right. So, okay. at a high level, why don't you tell our listeners what it is that you do? Well, at a very high level, I'm an intellectual property attorney, and so my job is to protect people's ideas, um, and that can be anything from inventions, uh, and we protect those in the form of patents. We protect company brands, and we do that in the form of trademarks, and then there's creative works of expressions uh, that we protect with copyrights, and those are movies, books, um, you know, uh, songs. Uh, literature, anything like that. So um, we work with clients to try to help protect their ideas. And that's all right. So I just need to clear something up right away, because I've heard a million things about this, that if you write copyright C circle at the end of something that you write, that it is copyrighted. Is that true or false? Pretty much true. Once uh, something, a creative work, it has to satisfy the definition of copyright. So there has to be some element of creativity. But once it's reduced to a tangible form, then you automatically get copyright protection for it. So that is true. You don't even have to use the notice anymore. Interesting. Um, Now, there are benefits to registering the copyright with the Copyright Office. 
mm-hmm. uh, the Library of Congress. It's very easy and straightforward to do, but you don't have to do it. It becomes a copyright as a matter of law. So Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Tell us a story, and you don't have to mention names or businesses or anything, about a client who should have contacted you, but didn't, and something happened because of it. So like so like an example of somebody who should have contacted you before things got sticky or before they, you know, found themselves in an oopsie situation. I mean, really, we have that kind of situation that comes up, unfortunately, pretty frequently. And it's not unusual for a business owner at some point to get a cease and desist letter Mm -hmm. if they haven't done the proper research for their products or for their brand. Right. So um, I can, I can, I would, I could spend the whole day telling stories about, about that. Um, I can think of one particular example where uh, a company, it was a biotechnology company, uh, went and they filed their own uh, trademark Uh, And they didn't do any research to find out if anybody had similar trademarks. Well, five years later, company in Belgium had who had potentially a similar name, not exactly the name, uh, came out of the woodwork and just said, well, sorry, we want you to stop using your name. Right. This company had been in business for five or six years. They'd invested a lot in their brand and their marketing. And uh, there is uh, a big legal battle going on right now. And they're spending lots of money on litigation fees. And I think if they had looked at it a little bit more closely at the beginning, some of this could have been avoided. Right. Absolutely. Why did you decide to get into this uh, versus, you know, real estate law, corporate litigation? Why IP? What was it that attracted you to it? Well, I have a technical background. I have a science background. And so I wanted to do the law thing, but also do the science thing at the same time. And so in order to be an intellectual property attorney, especially to to work on patents, you have to have some technical training. Right. So I kind of started off thinking, well, I like the science. I like the law. Let me see if I could combine those two things. And it turned out after a very short period of time when I first started that I was pretty good at it. And um, I really liked it. And mm-hmm. I've been doing it now for 35 years. Yeah. Uh, and I still enjoy learning. I learn something new almost every day in the practice. Cool. So, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of something that I just sort of fell into without really knowing that much about. But right. it turns out that it became a passion of mine. So. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's shift gears. Um, let's talk about your company. So what's your annual revenue? Our, our annual revenue is about $4 million a year. Okay. And, and how many employees do you for have? For an intellectual property practice, it's a boutique firm. We have about 25 people. Okay. Um, we have, uh, we have colleagues, uh, employees, team members. Yeah, uh, located all over the country. We're very virtual. We have we have even have people who work in different countries. So we have, uh, you know, uh, finance people in Philippines, and we have one of my partners is in Israel. 
And uh, so we have we have people in North Carolina and we're located, we're headquartered in New Jersey, but um, we have a couple people here in New Jersey, somebody else in New York. So we're really kind of split up all over the place. Yeah, you're global. You're global. So then full-time employees, I think I saw 10. Is that right? Well, um, actually, it's probably more than that. It's probably closer to 25. Okay. So. All right. so then you're the founder. You started this company. So I'm assuming that as you've scaled your business, you've had some challenges along the way and that have taken you by surprise. Give us an example of a challenge that you were not prepared for growing your business and how you handled it. I think in some ways I was probably a little naive. I was, very, you know, I tend to be, have a, a trusting personality. Mm-hmm. And, so when, and I would never say that uh, I could do something if I didn't really think I could do it or I had not done it. And I had hired some people uh, earlier in the practice uh, on the financial side, who said, oh, we know how to do this accounting. Uh, and it turned out that they sort of knew the accounting, but they didn't really know it in the way that they needed to know it. Yep. And I sort of blindly kind of went along with them for a while. And eventually I figured out that everything was really getting messed up. And yeah. uh, the clients were coming back and complaining. And uh, so... I had to make some tough decisions. We had to reorganize. Um, and But eventually we got everything right. But there were some days when I was very concerned about what was going to happen. Yeah. And I, I what I realized is, is that you really have to dig down when you're working with teams of people to make sure that um, they're really doing what you need them to do. And probably part of it was that I'm not an accountant. So I'm not really sure I I knew what needed to be done. So part of it could have been my fault too, in that I didn't give enough direction. On the other hand, I did kind of hire these people for their expertise. Mm -hmm. And if, uh, and I was relying on that. So maybe they were relying on me and I was relying on them. And in between everything kind of got messed up. But um, it it managed to eventually work itself out. But there were times when I was very concerned. Yeah. Did that make you lose your trust in people um, and and delegation? Because as a visionary, as a leader, you know, if you're not delegating, then you're just you bought yourself a job. You know, you're just over broke and you're you're doing it all yourself. And I know in the beginning when you start out, you kind of do those things. But as you grow, you have to delegate or you cannot scale. You have to delegate, especially if you've got a team of that many people. Did that um, change your trust in in people or did it um, help you get better skills on how to hire better? I would say, Winter, that both of those were the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it became clearer to me that I had to pay more attention to what was going on and really kind of, I wouldn't say hold people's feet to the fire, but not be scared to ask them to justify what they were doing and how they were, how they were doing it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, you know, I used to kind of think, well, I, you, people wouldn't like me. If I push too hard 
and made them kind of show their work. Right. Right. And now I don't care about that. I'm like, right. you know, you're going to be here. You need to you need to demonstrate what you're doing. All right. Because the consequences of that are bad for everybody, not just you and me. And if I if I know what's going on and if there's an issue, then I can fix it. The problem was that sometimes there were issues and I'm not even sure that people knew they were issues. Right. Um, and then but knowing about it gives me a chance to fix it. And then you know, we can change course together. We can work out a solution and going forward, everything can be cool. But if yeah. there's not that communication and understanding there, and I really wanted to do other things. I didn't really want to dig down into the financial piece, but um, but that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. And that's sometimes what you have to do. I mean, Ken and I always say that companies break for two reasons and it's process or people. And finances is one of those things where, you know, it's like, not a lot of people like dealing with it, but if you have a process and how the finances are going to run, then you don't have to necessarily be so entrenched in it. I'll give you an example for, for me when I was first starting out in real estate and I was doing my own books. Well, no, first I was the CPA was doing my books and then I was just getting, you know, P&Ls at the end of the year and taxes were going out and I didn't like fully understand it. And I really got invested in understanding taxes because it's not what you make, it's what you keep. So after diving into it really deep, I realized like they were classifying all my Amazon purchases as business gifts. Well, as a business gift, you can only write $25. When I really started looking at it, most of them were supplies. Some of them were what I call, um, you know, client retention, which is quote unquote advertising. And those are 100% deductible. So when I took control of my books and started classifying these things right, my write-offs legal write-offs went through the roof, but it's because, you know, I was in, like, I had a process. All right. As much as I don't want to do the books, I have a process. now. I, I need to handle this side of it. Then from there, the taxes become a lot easier. Right. So I get it. Finance is one of those things. A, a lot of CEOs don't, don't want to deal with it, but, um, you know, we're in a weird time in this economy and this world. What what are the top things, either positive or negative right now, that are impacting your your company, your industry in general? Uh, I, You know, one of the nice things about being an intellectual property field is that the work, the demand usually outstrips the supply of, of people who are trying to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... In general, we've been pretty immune to, you know, the upturns and downturns of the economy. Right. Um, And so, uh, you know, our, but we, but I do think that, that, that that I'm starting to notice um, some changes in the commercial landscape. I think people are making, slowing down their decision-making a little bit. Um, Yes. And. Uh, I'm, we're noticing that clients aren't committing as quickly as they used to to new projects. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think just paying attention to that trend is going to be uh, important for us and then really uh, m- making adjustments. So we've been we've been talking about this a bit at the at our management meetings, trying to understand kind of uh, how the workflow is going. You know, our our business, like any other business, has cycles. So yeah. one month, um, our invoices may be super high or they may be super low. 
are not super low, but lower. We, we yeah. may have other months where we get a lot of new work and then other, you know, other months where we get less new work. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's always these, all these, you know, spinning plates all the time. Right. And you want to, so you want to keep attentive to saying, well, okay. Uh, you know, the cash flow is good this month. So how are we going to handle that? We're going to reserve some for the coming months. Um, you know, invoicing is a little slow this month. So what can we do to get some more invoices out? Right. And so you're kind of constantly paying attention to all of these factors and trying to to address the ones that are 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 a little bit slower and then also trying to stay on top of and, you know, uh, take advantage of the trends, you know, that 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 are good. Right. And right. So. The most recent one we've noticed is the clients are a little bit where they're they're asking for information about new projects. Yes. They're just slower signing up. So we're trying to spend some time thinking of ways that we can address that. So and and it's that's I, I'm seeing that in a lot of industries and a lot of the CEOs and business owners right now that we're talking to are all experience the same thing. They're fast to meet with. They're slow to pull the trigger on. Um, and I think everybody's watching their dollars and cents right now more than ever. Your value proposition, what you offer, what you bring to the table is going to matter. And then I'm even seeing just on the employee side of things and within the company, you know, morale and um, and just like mindset. Right now, you know, that's what we're focused on with our team is just helping everybody understand that life in general, but especially now and especially over the next 18 months, in my opinion, because election years are always weird in the businesses I primarily work with. And, and it's just, you know, my, you don't need to be great at sales right now, as long as you've got the mindset to weather the storm, you know, and you don't have to have like full job satisfaction as long as you have morale within the company to help people still want to get up and and do their jobs. So I, I think that those two things are going to be really key for companies over the next couple of years, because I keep hearing, well, what is it? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with this? You are going to have to revise your process right now. Like I said, process and people break companies. If you don't have the right process in place for a slower buying cycle, you've got to revise your process, right? Right. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, as an intellectual property law firm, we deal with, we have uh, over 4,000 clients uh, and we deal with maybe three to 400 projects per month where, you know, somebody may have a trademark, another person has a trademark search, another person has a patent, patent search. We may have, uh, you know, litigation. We may have court acts, you know, we have oppositions at the trademark office. We have all of these little projects and sometimes, you know, sometimes they're just three or four hour projects, but they're all um, heavily scheduled. So we'll receive some correspondence from the patent and trademark office, for example, and then we have a certain time limit to respond to it. So we have to look at it. We have to get it to the client. We have to get the client input. They have to decide what they're going to do, whether they're going to go forward with it. Then we have to get payment. Then, you know, so the accounting. And so we have a lot of processes yeah. in our firm to kind of stay on top of all of these different, you know, projects. And we have fairly complex software uh, 
software that allows us to track and maintain deadlines and you know follow up with clients if it turns out that we haven't heard back from them within the required time period so their their rights don't get lost and um, it's a very process oriented business and we handle right. lots of small projects at a high volume so right process is absolutely key for us yeah so where do you see yourself going in the next two to five years? What's the what's the future vision? Well, I'm probably retiring at some point. I'm 63 mm. years old. So wow. it pains me to say that, but at some point I'm going to have to consider pulling the trigger. The nice thing about having your, you know, having having this firm is that I get to work until I want to, or I right. start screwing up so much that um, they <laughs> that you need an attorney. You start screwing up so much that you need your own attorney. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's one of the things I'm just I'm right now. It's like I'm trying to uh, prepare the firm uh, to kind of hand it off to the the team yeah. that we've got, and so that's that's one of my objectives. Um, I mean, we still have, I, I don't get so involved in the day-to-day day -day, uh, projects. I still am involved in the litigation. If a client has a big transaction, um, I'll get involved in that. Um, I've been trying to be out in the community more. Um, mm -hmm. My wife and I have a radio show called Passage to Profit mm -hmm. uh, that is syndicated now on 27 stations across the country. Uh, and so maybe doing more with that uh, would be uh, a, an option for me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm also on the board of several companies. Uh, and so maybe taking more of an advisory role yes. and yep. as I dance off into the sunset. You know, nice. So. <laughs> uh, the, the American dream. Isn't that what we all are, you know, trying to get to when we grow up? <laughs> when we grow um, up. Okay, well, if you had to do it all over again, speaking to your younger self or less experienced self, what would your advice be to you? Hmm. I mean, I, I've done a lot of things right. I think probably my challenges are more around um, probably being a little bit too much of a people pleaser. Yeah. And kind of sticking more with the logic of the business rather than being overly empathetic with uh, situations. And sometimes, you know, especially early on, I, I think I let my my heart rule more often than my head. And I'm not sure that that was really in my best interest. But um, but those are things that I'm I'm, you know, you know, over the time we we get more experience. And, uh, you know, you realize that you really do kind of have to be tough sometimes yeah. uh, in order for things to work out right. So Yeah, yeah, I, that's good. I, I, I do think there is that human need for people, especially in leadership roles, to want to be liked. And um, I, I think it's a common a common struggle because uh, a lot of times we hire people because we like them or they're like us. Or, you know, we think they're going to be a good fit for the vibe of the office. But at the end of the day, you know, the, the most successful companies are the ones where you hire the people that get it done, not the ones that are always um, the best fit for your personality type, right? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely had to learn how to be flexible in 
you know, really just seeing people as, you know, individuals that everyone's different. Everyone has their strengths and their, their weaknesses. Uh, and I have to adjust my behavior to make, you know, kind of meet them where they're at. Right. And they, like, right. they have to adjust a little bit to meet me where I'm at too, but, right. um, you know, making sure that, you know, and our, our team has been together now for a long time, which is really great because um, it's like we know each other so well. I mean, we can finish each other's sentences and we know what's going to happen <laughs> next or everybody yeah. knows how so-and-so is going to react when they hear this. And yeah. and I think, um, you know, it's, it's, it's great. I really like that. It makes, yeah. it makes the business easier for me. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Awesome. Okay. Well, if people wanted to reach you, what would be the best way to have that happen? Um, well, you can reach me at um, our website, www.gearheartlaw.com. And we do. Let practice. me just interject that Gearheart is spelled G E A R H R H A R T. Yes, it's G E A R H A R T, like you just said, dot uh, com. You can reach us through our website. Or if you want to reach out and have a chat, our number is 908-273-0700. And, you know, we help uh, all sorts of businesses with their intellectual property issues. And um, we've been doing it a long time and I think we do a pretty good job of it. So uh, I certainly welcome any, uh, any contacts from your audience, so. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. We uh, we appreciate you sharing your stories and uh, wish you all the best in what is to come for not only Gearheart Law, but you as well. Well, thank you very much, Winter. It's been a real pleasure uh, spending time with you and, and thank you for the opportunity to share. I, it's been great. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the Shift Spotlight podcast. If you are a service-based business owner, CEO, founder, or co-founder with under 10 years of experience, and you are in the trenches of growing your idea or business and want to bring your inspiring story of change, challenge, and success, all while promoting your business and gaining exposure with a remarkable and influential network, we are actively searching for podcast guests who can share their journey. Please visit theshiftspot.com forward slash podcast to apply today. And if you are a listener, I'd love to give a shout out to your business, to our entire audience for free. All you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts or follow our newsletter by going to LinkedIn and searching The Shift Spot. Your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean the world to me and my team. We believe every person has a message that can positively impact the world, and we love our community who listens and shares our program. Together, we are empowering one another as shift leaders. Hit subscribe to be inspired and motivated. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you and your growing business. We will see you next time.